Three Mistakes We Dare Not Make from Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13 by Paul Bucknell. This is first presented at RCCC in Raleigh, North Carolina. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation. I'd like to share with you um, from Ephesians 6 today about three mistakes you dare not make. Three mistakes you dare not make. Hopefully it will address some of the issues that we have, we confront in our own lives, in our own hearts. Mistakes, perhaps we don't even know are mistakes. And so it's hard to correct something that you don't even know. Let me share with you from Ephesians 6. Can you read with me from uh, verses 10 to 13, please? Finally, be strong in the Lord. Together, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the ruler forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. We'll be looking at these different uh, first three verses, 10, 11, and 12. Each of them have a special focus, uh, being strong, verse 11, put on the full armor, verse 12, for our struggle and defining and describing that. This is our focus for this morning. Uh, when we go through the book of Ephesians, what do we find? We find so many topics described about salvation, overcoming sin, how to have a great marriage, family, uh, the church, its unity, Christ, his glory, election. I mean, just everything's discussed here in this book. And at the end, as we come here, uh, we find this one word, finally. You see, Paul has first come and described the glory of Christ in the church, but jumps into chapter 2 where he talks about man, where he originally, um, where he is now found, spiritually dead. But through Christ, he rebuilds the people, bringing them into the church, and rises them up. And he kind of resolves a plot that was giving way back about God's original plan for what he's doing in mankind. And so God's doing a lot through the gospel. He's doing it through each one of our lives as we follow him. The church is so awesome. It's mighty. It's great. And yet, why isn't it that I don't experience that awesome power of Christ in my life? Why is it that I seem to focus so much on my struggles, my relationships, uh, and maybe even in the church with other co-workers or whatever it might be? What is happening in our life? Paul wants to address these issues. I want to address these issues this morning because I want the power of Christ to rise up in each of us as a whole, as a whole congregation, to be able to exalt the Lord, be able to praise him. And Paul was doing this with this word, finally. He has something to say to us. Because you might go up to this point and say, all right, but my family's not this way. My marriage is not this way. My relationship, my friends isn't this way. It's broken. There's something that's not working. And what is that? What is that? Let's pray as we continue. Lord, you are a mighty, wonderful God. You have not only given us a plan, you have given us grace to bring that plan and activate it. 
Lord, we don't only want to testify that Jesus is risen. We want the glory of Christ to rise in our lives that you might be glorified. Raise up the church of God. Raise us up in Christ, Lord. Even as you said that we sit with Christ in the heavenly places. Realize this in our lives, in our ministries, in our families, O oh Lord, in our church. In your glorious name, Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, what is this finally? Well, there's three mistakes. Number one, there's a power crisis. We wrongly believe things about Christ. Two, our protection is gone. Verse 11, we wrongly handle the problems we face. Number three, in verse 12, our perception is distorted. We don't see things right. We don't identify the right source of the problems. And what I find often is that the mistakes we have are often mistakes. Now we say, oh God, the problem is God, the problem is church, the problem is these people. But really, what Paul is saying, when it gets down to the end, it's not the mistakes, it's the mistakes. How I'm approaching everything is the wrong way. And Paul says, do you know, I just talked about the glory of the church all the way through the book of Ephesians. I'm at the very end, middle way of Ephesians 6. I have something else to say to you. Because the way you're going to face some problems in terms of bringing that glorious plan into activation. And the problems are right here. But they don't need to be problems, and that's a whole, otherwise I probably wouldn't talk about this at all. But they become solutions. So stay with me as I go through each of these mistakes. Because there is a solution for each, Paul is providing them. Now I will be saying some prayers as I go along. They're just simple model prayers of sort. But they might ring with your own heart. And if so, just talk to God as I'm sharing uh, and give you an example of prayer, how you can pray in a circumstance. And it might, you know, God will, might will step in through your prayers as you personalize those prayers. So let's look at the first one. This is the power crisis. It's the power crisis. You know, what happens often, we just... You ever come down to the point and just think, well, what's the difference between Christianity and all these other religions? You know, so many people, they're exploring things today. And why? It's often because there's no power. They just don't see that transformation we were just singing about. And so, well, maybe it's just another one of those religions. Yeah, you know, yeah. before I was, something was connecting, but not now in my life. You know, that, that zeal, that hope, that love that I, I once had, it's just kind of petered away. And so when I look at my life now, I look at things, I really feel like, man, maybe it's just another religion. And so we just begin to distance ourselves a little bit. We distance, because we're questioning things. We're wondering what's happening. Now, a sign of this mistake happening in our lives is when we think there's no longer anything special about believing in Christ. We no longer believe there's anything special happening in our lives. And so we just... As a result of that conclusion, we just pull back. We pull back further. <laughs> you see what's happening. Well, this is the first mistake that we find, and we want to kind of focus it. And our question, though, is where is the power? Now, let's clarify something here. Let's look at this passage, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. Paul already talked about that. He says, in him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you became a Christian, you follower of Christ, 
You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So what do we find here? That every genuine believer has the Holy Spirit in his life. Now Christ ascended to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit, God, to us. And his spirit lives in us. And so the risen Christ lives through the spirit of God in our lives to carry out and to bring us, bring us into that transformation to be more like Christ. So it's not, the question really is, is there power? There is that power. Christ is risen. The Holy Spirit's here. But there's something else going on. Now what does Paul say here in verse 10? He says, finally, we talked about that word, finally. Now I've got to mention some things Paul says. Number one, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now notice here, Paul trying to convince us all, convince them, convince us, that we need to be strong in the Lord. Now it's kind of hard to understand what this means, I think. Oh, it is for me anyways. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might? I just don't feel the power there, right? I don't experience. It's not something I'm thinking. Now, the problem is that we might conclude, I don't feel the power, that it's not there, right? Isn't that the conclusion? That's exactly the conclusion, not God, but Satan wants you to believe. It's the wrong conclusion. This is the mistake that we make regarding to this power crisis. We conclude, make a wrong conclusion about God's power not being in our lives. In this case, our belief becomes just another philosophy, another way, another religion. And the power of Christ no longer is something we cherish and is in our lives. But why not go back and see what Paul is saying? Are we abiding in the Lord? Now let's look at this passage a little bit more. See, the power comes from how? From being close to Christ. Now, we have just heard this verse. Now, let, let me read it again. Can you all read with me, please? Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Lord, what do we learn from this? There's a connection issue, isn't there? Now, I, I, I've been playing with computers way back since the early 1980s when they came out, you know, the Apple. I had to put my... Uh, information on a tape recorder, if it, the plug was out, you'd hear the screeching sound, you know, the way the applications would go into the, the computer. This was way back, you know, and my gray hair has testified. But, you know, to the, some pretty computer savvy, you know, I, I, I use them all the time. But, you know, I once was talking to someone on, online, and you, they always go through the very basic steps. You know, is your computer plugged in? <laughs> and I, of course, you know it is. And I, I looked at the cord, but then I said, hold it, I got a lot of cords here, computers, and let me just double check while I'm talking to the person on the phone. And then I said, whoops, hey, you know, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm wasting your time here. My computer was not plugged in. I couldn't believe I felt like a fool. But anyways, fortunately, it wasn't face to face, you know, line to line. But you know, no wonder there's no power if we're not connected to Christ. Doesn't it make sense to you? You see, the, the very distance that we have from the Lord is actually where we have lost connection with Jesus. 
And that's why Jesus says, abide in me, which is connected to what Paul was saying, be strong in the Lord. You realize that connection you have with Jesus. And you begin to affirm that. And transformation begins to come about. If we doubt that, then basically we step away from that relationship. What Paul is saying by being strong in the Lord is that we are actually drawing close. Now let me give an illustration. I just came back from uh, Africa. I was speaking uh, in Uganda. A person heard, heard me on the radio. I was speaking about Joseph in the Old Testament about forgiveness. And uh, I got a report later that someone called and was going to church there. Uh, just started going to church again. And her story went like this. I don't know what happened when I was hearing, you know, from these scriptures in Genesis 50. All of a sudden, my heart melted away. I was so bitter. I realized I needed to change things. See, her problem, as she kept writing and testified, was this. She was the second wife. And every time her husband come back around 1 o'clock in the morning, he wanted to knocked on the door. And she would be real slow about going there until he went, went, went away. She was real bitter, very upset. And she said, I have to change things. In my routine, in my life, i got to change things. The change in my heart has to be reflected in my life. So she said, when he knocks on the door, I'm going to be right there. And she did that. She did that. And she went and she you know, began to apologize. And her husband just fell on the floor on his knees. He said, you know, I, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Would you forgive me? And God began to work in their marriage in a marvelous, marvelous way. And bring that healing just through forgiveness, you see. Bitterness can be a way we keep our distance. I hold my bitterness, but it becomes a wall between me and Jesus. If you don't forgive, what does he say in the Lord's Prayer? I'm not going to forgive. Okay, how long do you want to play the game, right? But it's the Lord speaking. Can you just take down that wall and begin to see that your burnout, your apathy, your unbelief is not being close to the Lord? And you turn back now and find restoration in the power as before. You can pray something like this. Maybe you want to pray that. And I'll just give an example. Oh, Lord, our hearts have been so hard. I don't know why. I just distanced myself from you from so long. Would you please forgive me? Would you take away all my apathy, my rejection of you, your love for me, doubting all these things? Would you please forgive me for what I have done wrong in my own life? I'm coming back to you now, Lord. Here I am. Please accept me. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. And now come into my life and empower me through Christ. I'm yours, and I want to be yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you see how to do it? And do you see how to do it with someone else that's struggling? It is not so hard. But it's a connection problem. It's not a power problem, you see. In the sense that the power is not there. Jesus is there. And it's just wonderful. He says, finally, be strong in the strength of his mind. Now, how do you do that? Well, you realize, yes, he's there. Now, to be strong means just to act in response to what he's done and who he is. And you simply do that through prayer. 
Let's go on to the second one. Our protection gone. It's the second mistake. You say, well, you know, I have tried to be spiritual. It's not like I've distanced myself from the Lord on purpose here. I'm trying. In fact, I just don't find it working. So I'm trying to do other things. You know, I'm, I'm seeing my psychiatrist. Uh, I, I, I'm taking yoga. I'm reading a book. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to do some things here and trying to solve the problem. Now, what's the sign that we have that there's a mistake happening? We are doubting rather than trusting the Lord. We are doubting that the Lord can actually help us in our circumstance where we don't feel like things are working in our spiritual life. Now, let me go on and expand a little bit. And this is so important. Now, you have to pay attention, by the way, on this matter, on what you're thinking. Because this is the whole, and I'll go through the whole process in a minute. It's what we're questioning. You have to be thinking, knowing what you're thinking, because your thinking will expose what you're really believing. And in this case, when you start doing other things, it's revealing that so there's some conclusions you brought in your mind, your beliefs, what you really believe, that the Lord cannot help me. So God, you're not helping me? So I'm going to go look elsewhere. That's really, if you're really frank, that's what you're doing. Lord, well, you're not helping me, so I'm going to just do it on my own. Do you, do you see what your conclusion reveals? It betrays your unbelief that's happening in your life. Now, what does Paul say in verse 11? Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You've got to put on the full armor of the God that you might be able to stand firm. Now, what we're doing when we go out and just buy the self-help book or, you know, just try to, you know, I'll just see what's happening here and listen to these people. We are going out into the battle without armor. We are just approaching in a long way. And do you know what this means? Let me see if I can do it right. Anybody understand me? Anybody? What's that? Rock? Scissors? Is that how you do it? Paper? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Yeah. Um, so how does that game work? Each element can overpower one of the other elements, right? The rock can bang out the scissors, and the scissors can cut the paper, and the paper can wrap over a rock. Each element. So you need to know the right technique. You need to do the right thing to overcome. Now, the problem is when we're just step away from the Lord and try to solve it alone, we are using the wrong technique. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You cannot be neutral. When you talk about putting on the armor, it doesn't mean, well, there's my armor. I'm glad God gave it to me. Now, we all know better that armor is not that way. You, you put the armor on, then you can fight. But notice what else he says. Not only put the full armor on, you can't be neutral, but the Satan has actually targeted you. And because he's targeted you, that we all have to live in a state of somewhat alarm. And when I travel overseas, often you see these guys with these nice <laughs> machine guns hanging from their side. And uh, these rifles, you know, they're all armed. They've got trucks. They're, you know, you, you really sense that, yeah, we need to be a little more aware of what's happening around. 
But for us, you know, we find our breastplate is lying on the bed. Oh, yeah, it's there. Our sword is rusty on the floor somewhere. And our helmet of salvation, well, let's see, where did I leave it? Isn't that what happened? I mean, really, when you go into your daily life, it's not like you've done and anything here. You didn't take their advice, right? I mean, I haven't thought about it. Now, let's go through the Satan's tactics real quick. You examine your thoughts because this is where he's going to fight you. He's examining your thoughts, what you're thinking. And it starts by you doubting the Lord. It continues on by you questioning him a little bit more. Well, why isn't he helping me? And then you go a little bit before. I guess he doesn't care for me or he's not paying attention. Then you start believing other stories. Well, what else is out there? Because the increased doubt makes you more vulnerable to looking elsewhere. Uh, then you start wondering, well, the scripture is probably not true because your conclusion is it's not helping me, therefore they're unreliable. And then you're paying more attention to just living by your peers. And then after a while, you find there's no difference between you and your peers in the world. This is Satan's tactics. Not only to strip you from your honor, he wants to disengage you and destroy you. He has targeted you, whether you believe it or not. And therefore, we have to be active in fighting the evil one. Solution is not to be neutral, but to put on the armor. And each piece we put on with prayer. Now, how far away are you? Can you sense any questioning anything about the scriptures, about how God is working in your life? Is there any doubts there? Can I just say here, this is a place where you need to start putting on your armor. Now you say, well, I don't know how to do that. How do you put on this armor? Well, I suggest here that we do it with prayer. I'll give you an example again uh, about how you might pray. Okay? Uh, let me start. Oh, Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful ways. You have provided everything for me, and yet, Lord, I have not been active in responding to you. Would you please forgive me? You have cared for me, but I have not been attentive. You provided a way, but I have not listened. Lord, forgive me through Jesus. Right now, Lord, I want to put on the armor. Lord, again, that helmet of salvation, I just put it on, Lord. I want to again remember how you died for me. You take, take away my sins. You're risen. You're, you're the Lord of my life. I want that breastplate of righteousness, Lord. I'm going to put away those sins. Lord, I want you to come in, the truth. I, I want to pick up that sword, the word of God. I'm going to start reading your word again, Lord. Speak to me, because I want to be here ready for you, Lord. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. Lead me forth in this world, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. You see, what, what are we doing when I say don't be neutral? We are actually actively acting upon the truth of God that he's there, his armor is reliable, and I'm breaking through all that doubt and that distance. Now you say, well, my, my doubts are not all the way. It is because you're not confessing. Dig deeper into your confession about what you've done in terms of rejecting the Lord, and you'll be able to see his faith being built up in your life. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The third mistake is perception distorted. 
Now, this is not the power we talked about, not the protection, but the perception. But the perception. Do you have problems with those around you? Maybe I should raise hands. How many people think you got a problem with someone around you? Probably a good number, if you're honest, would say, yes, yes, uh, maybe it's my spouse. But you see, the sign here of a mistake in our life of not observing your spiritual principles is what? My life problems stem from those people around me. If God would just fix those people, my life would be so much better. Did you ever say that? <laughs> Did you ever say that? You know, you got your friend, your roommate. Oh, I can't believe my roommate, you know, on the phone, so insensitive. I mean, I, I can't believe it. You know, my husband, did you know what he said to me? Boy, my parents, they are so overbearing. If God would just get rid of them, my life would be better. The problem here is that our perception is distorted. So why are we so convinced the problem is sourced in those people around us? You know, marriage, a parent, a boss, our advisor. But what does the scripture say? Verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces. Hold it. What is he saying? Our struggle is against who? Okay. What does he mean by flesh and blood, right? Well, we don't normally talk to this. I don't even believe why the NIV translated this even the NIV, right? New International Version. Uh, not into people, but still flesh and blood. Well, I know it's a more literal translation, but for most of us, it'd be a whole lot better if we just said, our real struggle is not with people, but with these world forces. We've been duped. We're, we're, we're tricked. You say, well, how can we say? Well, he says it. Our struggle is not against people. It's not against that person. If that person was better, that doesn't solve your problem. No, that's not your problem, not the person. But you don't know how mean he is. I am so bitter against what he did. I'm trying to get back. That is the problem, you see. You think the problem is the person, but that's not the problem. Paul says the problem is the evil one working through different spiritual forces in that person. That person is being controlled, influenced by the evil one to carry out the tactics of the evil one. And he's using that person to stir you up to get better so you distance yourself from the Lord and then you're disengaged and then you're distant from the Lord and then he'll destroy you. That is his plan. It's not the people. You know, as long as we focus on the people, my husband, my wife, my boss, whatever, we're going to fail. It's not the people you see. The enemy is the enemy. The world forces, and I'm sorry I don't have time to go into all what that means. I don't think actually I understand all what that means, frankly. But uh, it's the enemy. But you see, this is the point. If we fight the people around us, we won't love them. What does Jesus say? Love them. You say, but, you know, I'm on the same committee as this guy. and you know, I'm got, I, We've got different opinions. And we're just kind of edging each other, and it's not pleasant to be there. That's because you think the problem is him. That's not the issue. Oh, you say, well, but, I, you know, my spouse, it's hard to believe, hard to love. But you see, what happens is when we realize that the evil one is influencing people around us, and us, yeah, yeah, sometimes we're the problem, the mistake, right? Then we can humble ourselves and realize Hold it. I need to go back to prayer. I need to begin to look to the Lord, and he will restore me.
You see, he will help that person. It, because we are fighting the person, we never get to solutions because we're no longer praying. We are using our tactics to defend, to attack, and whatever, to gain our way, to manipulate people, to use anger and all these other things. Oh, if we could just focus on loving them, on just loving them. Have you been caught fighting people, thinking, yeah, it's them, when really we should just been more prayerful and sensing the real struggle, the real struggle is against not the people, but against the evil one that's working through them and perhaps working through me. Now, we started with three mistakes. I hope you're stepping with me here, that the mistakes are being erased with the blood of Christ. Praise God, he's willing to forgive us and heal us and empower us. Are, are you with him? Can you sense him working in your life? It's very important here. Even though we might feel like failures, we might have made those mistakes. He's there right now saying, what? Number one, power restored. No longer disconnected, reunited. Remember, abiding in Christ. I want you to come. That's what Jesus is saying. Come back. Abide in the vine, and I'll abide in view. It's that power. It's all there. It's not like it was ever lost. God never left you. You know, does he love me? He never stopped loving you. It's you. It's me who left. Oh, my, how long have I been suffering here, going through this trouble in my life? How about the protection? It's reapplied. Yeah, yeah. You see, it's not only I didn't put my armor, but now I can. Now I'm going to. Will you do it with me? Today? Have you already with me? Yeah. I'm not going to be neutral anymore. I'm actually going to take that armor and begin to cherish what God's done for me. I'm going to get back into the word of God. Let's say, where's that helmet of salvation? <laughs> there it is over there. I'm going to start putting it back on. And I'm, I know I don't have time to explain what is the helmet of salvation. I understand those things. But basically, it just means remind yourself the truths of your salvation. Okay? To hold them. But you're going to put them on. You're going to put them on. And then you can get out in the battle. And you don't need to fear the evil one. Because what? You know, it's, it's let's see, the rock, the, the scissors, the paper, right? You, you know what you need to put on, the armor, to overcome. You got it right. You're not the scissors trying to get through the rock any longer. Lastly, it's a perception rectified. Verse 12. You fight the real enemy with prayer, with the word of God, like Jesus. Not the people. It's not the people. It's not your spouse. Praise God. What a relief. I don't have to be angry at people anymore. I don't have to be jealous anymore. I don't have to be prideful anymore. I can just start loving them. Even if they are prideful, jealous, bitter, competitive, whatever it might be. Do you see? Even if someone lied. Well, yeah, he did lie. Ah, oh, the evil one somehow has an inroad into his life. I'm going to pray for him. And so that compassion in our lives and also for us, we humble ourselves and be able to see these solutions. These solutions. 
three solutions for three mistakes, all through the power of Christ and who he is. Will you not choose to be with Christ and let his power richly flow through you? And it will animate not only you, your fellowship, your family, but the whole church. This is what he's saying. This is the whole message of Ephesians. Live in the heavenlies. Let the power of Christ live in your life. Praise God for what he's doing. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, it is wonderful and amazing how you deal so carefully with our lives. We are humbled how we have not followed your instructions. We are humbled, Lord, that we have not listened to Paul. Even though we might have read those verses, we never really stood firm against the evil one. We never really even put on our armor, and we're neglectful. Forgive us, Lord, for accusing you when all along, Lord, the mistakes were mistakes. I have left you. I have not believed you. I have sought other sources, other gods for solutions. I have been the idolater. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Lead us forth, Lord, into the bright hope of the Spirit of God living in us, abiding in Christ and you in us. Lord, help us to start loving those people that for so long, Lord, we have just thought were our problems when they have always been the people that you have said pray for, but we have forgotten. We thank you for being so patient with us. And now let us see the power of Christ sift through all the darkness, all the lies, all the deceptions, and bring forth the light of God into the darkness in our souls. For the glory of your name we pray in Christ. Amen. This concludes the message on three mistakes you dare not make. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13 by Rev. Paul Bucknell. This has been produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation.